Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Nick, let me first, before I even answer that question, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. I know we're having good vibes and we're exchanging some pleasantries before we even dive into things. So I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. And things are good. Today's a good day. I'm trying to take life day by day. Uh, I don't know how much you could resonate with living too much in the future, maybe too much in the past. I'm one of those people. But uh, today's a good day and I'm trying to be right here right now with you. Good shit, man. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. I think we're gonna have a great conversation. Um, typically, when I talk to somebody from the Northeast, we uh, we kind of slip into Northeastisms. So I expect some of that shit's gonna come up. Um, but I, I know that we're gonna also get into what you just talked about. There are the good days, there are the bad days. There are also the times where you're just so far in the past or so far in the future, you just need to pull your ass back and get to the present. And I, we could probably just spend most of the fucking conversation talking about that stuff. But let's actually give a little bit of context here, man. Why don't you tell us who you are, you know, basically what you do for a living, and give us one thing that most people don't know about you that's a little odd or bizarre. Absolutely. So born and raised New Yorker who inevitably caught the hustler spirit that fills my hometown streets. Uh, I, that's the best way to describe me. That is the best way to describe me. Uh, born and raised here. And like I said, you know, just being from the hustle and bustle of New York, uh, seeing what's possible, seeing how fast things move, it's really, really hard not to be a part of that. Uh, on the flip side of it, it's really important to detach from that. But essentially, um, you know, life took me down the craziest roller coaster. And I, I know a million and one people could attest to that. Everyone's roller coaster is different with a lot of similarities at times. I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player, but I'll tell you, I am not a professional baseball player. Uh, I am a gentleman in business, to say the absolute least, formerly worked with Damon John of Shark Tank. Uh, directly out of college, which was an incredible opportunity. And it led me to what I'm doing today, which is hosting a podcast of my own and also running an agency. But I'll tell you this, Nick, in, in full transparency, um, although I do that today, I can't say it's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Um, and I, I, I like to throw that in there too. And, uh, you know, one thing that people don't know about me is probably the fact that I still pick my nose and wipe it under the desk that I'm sitting at. Um, I, I definitely don't say that often, but uh, I'm going to go with that because it's the first thing that came to my mind fucking amen thank you i ask people for something that's weird or bizarre and something that most people don't know and dude you just checked off all the boxes and you got super vulnerable with us because i'm sure most people even in their you know in their teens they're like i don't want to talk about picking my nose or as they get older in their 20s 30s 40s like you don't typically just talk about that so i appreciate just going straight to the point like i got an itch i pick it and i wipe it somewhere and it's not on the body <laughs> oh, dude, no, I, I'm a big gold digger, man. Um, and I'm not going around looking for a sugar mama, but I am 100% digging for gold numerous times in the day. Uh, and I am very proud to pull out some really nice boogers. So uh, I hope that's uh, I hope that's a great answer. And I hope no one else has ever said that in the 40 plus episodes you've recorded. No, no, nobody has. And now there's a bar that has been set for everybody else. So to those who are listening to the show, if you're going to be a guest on this show, you better come up with something fucking weirder than that. Or more vulnerable, I should say, because at the most part, you know, we all do that sort of stuff. Uh, it's That's like the sort of shit that people don't really want to talk about, but they have problems with. Just like mental health, you know, think of us as men. We go through shit where, especially being raised in the Northeast. Um, I don't know exactly what it was like in your area, but in that area, you fucking get up, you put dirt on it and you keep fucking going. That's typically how it rolled, especially as we were younger. And that has to change now. I mean, that's even a major portion of why I have this show is to be able to talk through that sort of stuff and get through the trauma and whatnot. So again, man, I appreciate you being honest and vulnerable, but let's go a little deeper within that. Not deeper into your nose, like touching your brain, but deeper into the what actually makes you you. So you'd mentioned about Damon, and that's that's awesome that you'd worked with him. He seems like a great dude, but he also seems like one of those guys that'll literally hold you over the fire and hold you accountable. So talk to us about that. Tell us how you got in that situation with him and how it shaped you. I'm going to tell you a crazy story. I'm going to try and keep it quick, but a crazy freaking story that... 
you know, when the universe is working for you, the universe is working for you. And it's always working for us, right? Um, backtracking before I met Damon, I was in New York City hospitality. So uh, two older individuals who are very, very good friends of mine. Uh, they were in hospitality before me just due to the fact that, I mean, essentially to be in hospitality here, you need to be a certain age. So I could never participate in it without a fake ID. But it got to a point where I was a partner in a business for seven years, which yielded me the result of meeting incredible people, incredible, and a plethora of them. Like my Rolodex, I am so grateful for the amount of people that I know. Uh, at the same time, it kind of shoots me and, you know, shoots myself in the foot because, you know, I don't want to date a girl that's hooked up with this person because I know them, you know, like th th that's a whole other rabbit hole. Ultimately, the reason I bring this up is because I met incredible people. Through that opportunity, a gentleman that worked with Damon just so happened to be someone that I met the same day I met Damon. And here's how it went. I was in Dominican Republic while in college celebrating spring break. I made a shit ton of money while in college. And I'm very grateful for that. I say it humbly. Um, and I used what I learned to help the people in my college because I went to a college in a very food desert you just like a poverty filled area of South Jamaica, Queens. So if you know 50 cent, if you know G unit, if you know Nicki Minaj, like those artists emerged from that area, it's, it's the hood, you know? And I, I say that politely. Uh, I went to college there and I didn't come from that area. So I wanted to use what I, you know, learned and gathered to help other people. And I did exactly that. So while I'm in Dominican Republic and I'm a student leader at this point, like I said, I'm helping as many people as I can help. I'm in Dominican Republic on spring break with two people I didn't attend college with. I get a phone call across the top of my phone. It says CUNY York College, which is where I went to school. And I'm like, why the hell are they calling me? I paid my tuition. Like, why else would they be calling me? I knew I paid my tuition because I paid it my damn self. My parents cut me off. So I answer the phone. The woman on the other end of the line says to me, Matt, would you like the opportunity to meet Damon John of Shark Tank? He's coming to our college campus on XYZ date. I said, yeah, uh, you know, I'm saying in the back of my head, why the hell would she even need to ask me? This woman knows me so well. She should know it's a yes. It just so happened the date he was coming to my school was the day after I was returning from my trip. So, like, things were aligning. Now, I was one of three students invited to meet Damon in the green room of, uh, you know, the auditorium where he was going to be on stage doing a fireside chat. I was the last person to shake his hand. Fast forward to that day. I was the last person to shake his hand before he went on stage. I shook his hand. Now I'm six foot five. He's probably five foot five, five foot six, five foot seven, whatever he is. I don't know. He looked at me after I shook his hand and he said, what the hell do they teach you here? How to break people's hands. So it was kind of good vibes off the bat. Um, I had a five minute conversation with him. I said, Damon, to, to end the conversation, I said, Damon, I'm going to work for you. He looked at me like I was crazy, like I had 10 heads. I know I have one big head. I know this one's big, but he looked at me like I had 10 of them. And that was it. Now, after his speech, I had brought my mentor with me, uh, the gentleman that I was in business with in New York City Hospitality. We were the two last people to leave the theater. So we thought we're standing in the middle. I was sitting in the front. He was sitting in the back because I was a student. He wasn't a student. We meet in the middle of the theater. I thought we were the last two people, and out of my peripheral vision, I see Santa Claus, or I'm sorry, someone that looks like Santa Claus, walking up the staircase. And I say to my buddy, I'm like, where do we know this guy from? He looks so familiar. Happens to be a gentleman named George Barnes. This is where the story comes full circle. George Barnes pretty much ran New York City hospitality for years. Uh, it just so happened that I was connected to George. Lo and behold, George works for Damon. That was my in. That was my in. And it's not to say George got me my internship, which turned into a job. It was more so George was the liaison for me to get an interview. And he, he likes me to emphasize that because he didn't pull strings and say, oh, hire Matt. It was, hey, here's a kid. He's a hustler. Interview him. I interviewed. I had an internship for a full year because I was still a student. And I said, you know what? I'm going to hustle my ass off and I'm going to work for this guy. And that's exactly what I did. I ended up working for him for three, four years. Incredible opportunity. Uh, I learned so much from him. A really great guy. Not the type of guy that will hold you over the fire depending on the day he's having, but a, a gentleman that wants to help, to say the least. 
um, you know, be a father figure, be a mentor, be a friend. I mean, there were times he would call me 1130 at night because he's on the West Coast. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to go to sleep. And then we would just talk, talk about work, talk about business, go out to dinner, have a great time. Uh, you know, I miss having that relationship with him because I can't say I have it still to this day. I still talk to him every now and then I'll check in. But uh, an incredible, incredible opportunity to say the absolute least, Nick. That's awesome, man. You know, everything rise and falls on leadership. And that can be easy to say and a lot harder to do, you know, where he seems like that type. And I, my only connection to him right now is through you. And I'm sure there are other people that are like six degrees of Kevin Bacon style in a sense. Um, but from what I've seen, I, I feel like he's one of those guys that is just a true and true character. That's who he is. That's what he's about and wears his heart on his sleeve. So I know going into that sort of situation, it's much better or much different than somebody having an internship with Jim Bob and his wife and the shit little company down the street and them trying to figure things out. So what what sort of pieces of advice would you give to somebody of like, here's the three or four or five years that I've had with him and his team. These are the major things that I took away from it that really stand out to you. You want to know what's crazy? Here's the first one. Damon really put an emphasis on understanding that not everyone's going to have an opportunity to work with a Gary Vaynerchuk or a Tony Robbins or um, a Sarah Blakely, right? But that Jim Bob that owns the laundromat around the corner from your house that's been open for 25 years, he's in business for 25 years because he knows something. Damon put a lot of emphasis on that. And, you know, it's because not everyone, and it's not everyone's path to encounter a Gary Vaynerchuk or a whomever, right? But it is our path to potentially meet that person that's been in business for 25 years. So that would be the first thing. The second thing, I'll never forget, I, I was sitting in a meeting with him once. Uh, the president and I were on one side of the table. Damon's road manager was on the other side, and Damon was in the middle of the table, at seat, sitting at the head. It's safe to say that two sides were in disagreement, and Damon was so level-headed. So I had to pull him to the side, and after that meeting, I asked him, I'm like, dude, like, do, do you not care about what we're talking about? Like, what, What's going on? He said, Matt, business isn't brain surgery, dude. Like whatever we decide to do, whatever route we decide to go with, no one's, no one's life is at risk here. Like, yeah, we might lose some money. We might make some money, but no one's life is at risk. And he had such a calm demeanor to him all the time. I'm working on getting there, Nick. I'm not there. Like I'm working on getting there. I am. I'm not there. I say it very transparently. That was definitely, you know, up there for sure in regards to things I've learned. Secondly, and although I already knew that, I'm sorry, thirdly, and although I already knew this, it was emphasized through this experience, the importance of relationships. Um, I credit damn near all of my achievements to relationships. Uh, my podcast and the guests that I have on the show, uh, being able to chop it up with you here, uh, being able to work with Damon, the, the list goes on, like relationships. It's not you're not going to be able to foster every relationship or nurture every relationship. So it's important to understand which ones you need to do that with. But at the same time, you don't want to burn any bridges either. So for me, I do my absolute best to stay in contact with almost any and everyone I can. Like, I make myself laugh. I actually sent a an apology text message to a few women that I treated poorly in my late teens, early 20s, because that's how much I value relationships. And all, although none of them responded to me, by the way, um, and, you know, in fact, one of their boyfriends actually called me and told me never to reach out. Uh, it was merely an apology because I genuinely like value relationships on that level. So if I were to give you the top three things, that's probably it. I can't sit here and say like, I have the number one marketing secret in the world. It, it, it's not like that. It's, it really comes down to those three things. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for not giving me some bullshit of like, Oh yeah, yeah, this is what it is. And it's this big package deal. And it's not real. Um, that's good stuff though, man, especially the relationships. And uh, I'm, proud of you for stepping up and going back to those people from before yeah it's part of like almost a 12-step program in a sense to like make sure that you forgive yourself and then that you're able to get at least it out to those other people 
Yeah, if you had an expectation of I should hear back from each one of these women and they should all say to me, hey, you're totally all right. Things are great. We're cool. That's a different thing. But it doesn't sound like that's where you were coming from. You're like, I need to get this off my chest to do it the right way. Yeah, man, it really came down to. So I've been in therapy since June of 2020. And I entered therapy because I was in a very, very abusive relationship that I let happen. So it's not me blaming the woman I was dating whatsoever for you to be in a relationship that has toxicity. Uh, there's a part of you that is also toxic and that finds some sort of home or closeness to that. Right. So I'm not blaming her, but it led me to go into therapy and going through that process. I realized like, Although I'm not getting treated good or wasn't getting treated good in that relationship, I've been in plenty of relationships where I didn't treat people good too. And truth be told, I I probably wanted a sincere apology from the woman I was dating at that time to just say, Matt, like, I'm sorry for how I treated you um, or for how I treat you. And I still truthfully haven't gotten that from her. I don't think I ever will. And that's fine. Sometimes you got to be able to create your own closure and whatnot. But I said to myself, you know what? There were two to three women that, love the shit out of me and I didn't treat right, you know, and just because their love made me uncomfortable, that doesn't give me the right to neglect them or to toy with their emotions just to get whatever I wanted when I wanted, you know? So I just wanted to say sorry, you know, and it wasn't like I was expecting to get back together with any of it. It wasn't, that wasn't the intention. The intention was simply to say, Hey, I was younger. I toyed with your emotions. I apologize for what I did and that's it, you know? And I, I kept it moving. That's huge of you to go to uh, see therapy and seek out some sort of help outside of yourself, especially being in that situation. I'm sure that was one of those things where it wasn't like uh, you woke up one day and you're like, oh fuck, everything's wrong. I need to do something right now. It was probably stewing in the back. Uh, and I've experienced some of that in myself. Uh, I got a divorce last year and spent probably a couple years kind of working through shit on my own. And there were things that we needed to work through and realize that I abandoned myself in certain ways in ways that I shouldn't have ever abandoned, which then kind of fucked up my side of the relationship and fucked everything else up going forward from there. But being able to talk to somebody is huge. And I know it took me a lot to be able to get to that point to go, all right, I need to do this. But what was it for you that actually helped you get over that line? Because again, for the audience, I know there are people that are on here that they hear that sort of stuff and they go, that's cool, but I don't really, I don't really need that. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to have to deal with it. But everybody that does that gets to a point where they go, that's it. I need this. I need to go do this. I need to go talk to these people. I need to get this shit out or bad things are going to happen. So what happened for you to get to that point where you went, I need to snap out of that? Great question. Um, for me personally, I have to admit, Nick, I, I never had an issue with seeking growth. Whichever avenue growth would be delivered to, I never had that issue. But I'm going to answer this question in a way that I think will help those people that you were just referencing in regards to maybe someone doesn't want to go seek out that help professionally or they just want to take it on themselves. We owe it to God, the universe, Allah, whoever you believe in. We owe it to our creator, whoever that may be for you, to be our best version of ourselves. Now, to be our best version of ourselves, we're going to have to endure the storms. We're going to have to triumph over or, or during turbulent times. Like all of that's a part of it without a doubt. But there's nothing, nothing, nothing that's stopping someone from getting help while doing that. You don't have to endure all of that by yourself, right? And for a long time, I did. I mean, there's a a shit ton more to my story. I mean, I've been arrested. I've gotten kicked out of college for grades. I've gotten kicked out of two high schools. Uh, I literally blew over $80,000 in, in life savings trying to live up to uh, a certain level or, or standard that I had for myself that was way above my means at that time. Dude, like I've been through the fucking ringer, you know, and I can't necessarily say that there was something that you know, a specific moment that made me want to go do it outside of just knowing that I wasn't being treated right in that relationship. Uh, what I would just say for other people is simply just know that you owe it to not only our creator, but also yourself to want to be the best version of you. Now to be that best version of you, it's, I don't want to say it's textbook, but 
we are human beings. A lot of us are wired the same, or I mean, for the most part, we're all wired the same. The only thing that makes us different is our experiences, our upbringings, et cetera, et cetera. Sitting down and talking with someone, I mean, listen, at first, it could get overwhelming. You could be, you know, revealing shit that you didn't know about yourself that you need to attend to. But I'll tell you this, the more you uncover that, the more you uncover yourself. And that is one of the most beautiful parts of that process that I do not regret because I am so woke to myself. I'm so aware of who I am. And you want to know what? There's going to be a new Matt that I'm going to meet in a year and a new Matt I meet after that. Like it's going to keep being that new person, that new person, that new person. You should want to meet that person. And seeking out that help is, you know, one way to do it. That's a good point, man. You know, I often say to people, think about future you. How's future you going to feel about this? And there are times where either that client or somebody that, you know, I'm friends with, they're like, oh, well, future me might fucking hate me. I'm like, oh, well, do you want future you to hate you? Like, no. All right. I get the point. They move along. But to even think about yourself in that sense, like you're doing this to future you and future other people that are involved in the situation that you don't even know about right now. So how are you doing this and are you okay with that? And if you can stomach that and go, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with this and future you looks back, you do that so many times that you realize I don't like this feeling anymore. I want to stop that and be able to get out of that. Now, I know you've, you said that you've been through a lot of shit and that's part of what this show is about, being able to get into that shit because there are people that kind of hide things behind them that you just don't know about. Like you think about it, if you walk down the street, anybody you see, you have no idea what kind of crazy fucking story they have or what's really behind their eyes. So being able to get into some of those moments is really what I like to get into on this, uh, on this show. So are there any pivotal moments or little episodes within life that you can look back at and go, damn, that was one of those moments that everything changed or it's changed me drastically. So many of them, man, it's hard to just call out one. I mean, Wow. Um, I guess one of the, you know, one of the ones I speak about or one of the ones you hear me, one of the experiences I speak about often, I remember vividly sitting in my buddy's restaurant at the time. Uh, and I don't even know what part of Brooklyn it was in, but he was the head chef there, uh, managing partner, re really incredible opportunity for him. And we were sitting in there truthfully smoking weed after everything closed up. You know, we were just sitting there watching YouTube videos, smoking weed, like most restaurant workers. There you go. Um, and yeah, we were just BSing. I came to go visit him and I pulled out my laptop and I was showing him someone that I newly discovered. Now, keep in mind, this is years ago. I'm talking over eight years ago, maybe closer. Yeah. Eight, nine years ago, we're sitting in this restaurant, smoking weed, pull up a YouTube video. I'm like, Hey dude, I just discovered this guy. This guy was Gary Vaynerchuk. And he said, listen, I'm not into the hustle porn shit. You know, I'm not going to sit here like, and, and say I'm some Gary Stan. I, I truthfully, the only influencer i follow is damon and that's because i have a connection to him i love gary great guy he said three words that resonated with me forever changed my life because at that point i had failed out of college i was just like you know what i'm gonna hustle my way to the top not that i'm not saying college is you know the right choice for everyone but he said legacy over currency and i said fuck i i just said fuck i was like i'm doing the complete opposite i was Dude, I can't even tell you, Nick, I was hurting so many people around me while I was hustling, spending no time with my father because my parents are divorced. I would literally neglect. I didn't see uh, my grandparents, his father and his mother before they passed away. Um, this is the first time I'm actually talking about this out loud. Like, I, I genuinely regret that. Um, you know, they, they're the reason I'm here. They came from France to America, to New York, met here, had my father, uh, and his sister, my aunt, and without them, I wouldn't be here. And I didn't even see them before they passed away. Uh, that's how hard I was hustling. I spent no time with my dad, no time with my dad that changed. Eventually I spent time with my dad. I talked to him a lot more frequently. Now I'm really grateful for that. Parents are divorced. I didn't live with him for years. Um, I put money before everyone. I put money, I put money before myself, you know? And I just said to myself, is this the legacy that I want to leave behind? Like, is this really what I want? What I want to be remembered for a dollar sign in my bank account when I pass away. Like it just didn't add up. And I'm not undervaluing money when I say that, cause it is damn near important. I mean, it's at the top of the list. You need it to survive. 
yeah, you need it to survive, right? That's that's what it is, especially if you live in a place like New York City or uh, anywhere, anywhere, not even where you live, right? Just anywhere, period. Um, dude, it, that was probably the moment I said, you know what? You learned how to hustle. Go get your hustle on in a more respectful way, in a more mature way. Do it like a gentleman. Stop, you know, doing this little kid shit, hustle, 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 smoke, hustle, 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 etc. Uh, I love the hustle. Do it more mindfully is the best way I should say it. Hustle mindfully. That's a great point, man. Uh, I I am anti-hustle at this point because I went through the same shit where I was literally just pushing and pushing and pushing because I grew up in a situation like uh, rich dad, poor dad sort of deal. My dad and his wife had a bunch of money. My mom really didn't have much. So I saw the dichotomy between those two and was like, uh, I don't want to live in a shack basically. So how do I make more money than all of these people combined and go fucking crazy? And you start burning relationships, you just start burning yourself out. And I think certain people have to go through that to then realize, oh wait, that's not right. That's not how this should be. And you go through this just burning and burning, you start to burn yourself out, where at that point, you're just kind of a hollow shell. And that's difficult to pull yourself back from. But if you can pull yourself back from that and be able to figure out how to hustle differently, it's more about work ethic at that point. I think you and I are probably similar in a sense where we don't we don't get afraid of work. Like we enjoy the work, especially the shit that we like, right? Like think about it. You can do stuff and spend hours and hours and hours and look up and be like, holy shit, I should probably go eat something. It's been 12 hours or what have you. But that's different than actually hustling. And I want to I want to point this out because I know there are people, parents, I don't have any kids, but there are parents that have said to friends and even family members, I'm doing this for you. And I think that's one of the biggest loads of shit that anybody can heap onto their children, where they're hustling to be able to do it for their kids. And that's bullshit. And I think we need to change that and change the way that we look at that. Again, I don't have kids, but I know at some point when I do. I'm going to do everything I can to be able to show them how to live, but also not show them how to go out and drive yourself fucking crazy and work yourself to the bone for just dollars. I mean, you get to a certain point where what the fuck, what are you going to buy another shirt? Here's the thing, Nick, a hundred percent. I can tell you this. I used it as a coping mechanism, right? I used it as a coping mechanism because as I was avoiding important relationships such as family, I came to real, and still to this day, this is true, right? I have a very, very um, tough relationship with my mother, to say the least. Um, dude, I, I was using it as an escape. At one point in my life, it's easier to do the work. There was one point in my life uh, when I failed out of college. I was making well over six figures in college. Sometimes I look back when I graduated college, I'm like, fuck, why'd I go to college? I was making more before I went, you know, I'm like, what the hell's going on? But I'll, I'll tell you this. I would literally on Friday specifically, I'll never forget this Friday or Saturday. I forget which one it was. I would go to restaurant Depot for a buddy who owns a restaurant in my neighborhood. And I would go pick up his supplies for the day. I would drop them off. I would go to the gym and work out because at that time I worked at the gym and I said to myself, if I can get a job at the gym, I don't need to pay for a membership. Let me work at the gym. So I would do that from 12 to 5. After 5 o'clock, I would speed over to an Italian restaurant in my neighborhood and I would deliver pizza from 5 to 9 or 5 to 10. At 10 p.m., I would go home, shower, get ready, and go to the club because I was in New York City nightlife. And I would stay there till 4 or 5 a.m. And then I would wake up and repeat. I was so far removed from family staying out of my house because I didn't want to be around them. You know, like it, it, no one understood me. I was the black sheep. The people that understood me most were the people I was surrounding myself with, which are my friends, my closest friends, five, six people that genuinely understand me. That's my family. And it's not to say my mom, my sister, my dad, they're not my family. I have a better relationship with people now than I previously did, but I was using it as a coping mechanism without a doubt. Ooh, good point, man. <clears throat> Good point. The fucking self-awareness of that. I, and I'm sure that's not something that happened right in that moment where you were like, huh, I'm using this as a coping mechanism, rock and roll and keep going. But years later, did that come up through therapy or was that something that you came uh, to your own awareness through? I think a little bit of both, to be honest. I I realized through therapy that it was okay 
to refer to my friends as family and view my relationships with them on a higher level than I do with the people that actually are blood related to me. Um, that was one thing I learned in therapy because I thought that that was wrong. I was like, wait, like my actual, like I would get jealous sometimes during the holiday season. Like truthfully, this past holiday season, I hated it. I hated it. I, I, I didn't. Great question. Why is that? Um, I felt stressed. I felt stressed. Uh, I don't know if it's because I come from an Italian background and, you know, my, my father's side is French. Um, but I feel like during the holiday season, the way I grew up, it was a time to perform. So for instance, if my mother was hosting, let's call it Christmas, or, you know, if she was, um, you know, we were going somewhere else for Christmas Eve, it was about performance. What can you bring? You know, you need to be on your A game. Uh, dude, it was just always a stressful time. Like I, I can care less for it and it sucks to say that, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely learned that it's okay to value, you know, my, my friends as my family. And that was something that I kind of thought was frowned upon. But then when I realized it was okay, I was like, you know what? I'm good. You know, I'm good. But that, that's the truth for me. Hmm, that's a good point, man. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. It's just what you were used to. So it was different. So for you to look at it and go, oh, oh, it is okay. It's totally all right. I, I think there's there's a lot to be said about that, where a lot of people will kind of put on their face because they have family coming over. They have all these things. And it's almost like how some people will say you're taking Christ out of Christmas sort of deal. Like, what's the purpose to all of this? Not just the holiday itself, but what's the actual purpose? And the way I look at that sort of stuff is it's time to be with the people that you want to be with. And if you don't want to be with that family member, that should be your choice to go, hey, I want to be with people I want to be with. And you just don't happen to be those people. And that's all right. Exactly. And I'll tell you this. I felt really comfortable hearing other friends say the same thing. I view my friends as family more than family as family. And I was like, damn, like there are other people in the world that are like me, too, that feel that way. It really brought me a sense of comfort. I, I didn't feel as black sheep as I probably did uh, beforehand. But, you know, nothing wrong with being the black sheep. The blood, you know, there's that uh, famous little quote that goes around on the Internet. The black sheep usually turns into the goat. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that that's it, man. Yeah, uh, I, I have a similar kind of uh, experience with family. My mom was one of seven. She was the baby of one of seven. So I think my oldest aunt is like four years older than my grandparents on my dad's side so the the length of time between my mom and all of those other siblings and all the kids that they had and all that so there were times where i was a black sheep because my mom was a biker chick basically and they're like who the fuck Who's, and her blue-haired kid with all these piercings and shit. Obviously, I don't have blue hair anymore. But back then, it was black sheep. And I th I think that's actually become a bit of a superpower because that allows you to separate from your from the people that you need to be around when you're younger because you're just told, grab your shit, we're going to so-and-so's house. And then as you kind of step out of that, it allows you to look at other people and look at friends as being part of that family and understanding that it just doesn't have to be about blood. Now, I've also experienced that some of those blood relatives have actually become better friends than actually family members. And that's good because I keep them at that level. There are certain people that, honestly, I don't ever expect to hear from again. If I do, beautiful. If I don't, beautiful. But I think we get to choose that. And now there are certain, and I think within the Northeast kind of area, a lot of that is very like uh, family clicky almost. Was it like that in your area where like all families, they were close together. They all kind of lived and played together and all that sort of shit. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, I definitely got jealous at times where I would see friends that I view as family have great relationships with their family. Um, I, I come from an area and it's not to say all my friends are from this area, but I come from an area where this is a very family oriented area, like super, super family oriented area. And, you know, although obviously the divorce rate is high, no matter where you go, a lot of my friends also didn't deal with divorce. You know, their parents are still together. That was another factor that came into play. Uh, there's just so many factors, so many family dynamics. And it was just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, it, it's so crazy at times looking back and thinking about it. But, um, 
yeah, man, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be navigated, you know? And for me personally, what I like to do now is just tell myself, you're going to be the ideal parent that you wanted, you know, that you wanted, right? Or, you know, you're going to be the ideal father or you're going to be the ideal whatever. And that's just the way I operate. Yeah, you get to set your legacy. It goes back to what you'd said earlier, which is huge. Now, and I know you and I both do a lot of work on ourselves and uh, our days may look a little different. Even as I, you know, we talk about journaling or anything like that, we can kind of drive on to those different things. But what are some of the things that you do when it comes to the deep work that you found to really be able to not only help you throughout the course of life, but keep your shit together during the day? Uh, number one would be, and we talked about this, number one is still therapy. I still do that. Um, I've had to break up with my former therapist, uh, but that's at the top of the list, man. I look forward to that call every week. Every week I look forward to that call. Um, I used to look forward to it more because things are a little bit different now, but at first, like, dude, going through that discovery process and really unraveling things was really important for me. Um, I can't say like I'm some productivity guru or anything, dude. I'm, I'm honestly very free flowy, like super, super free flowy. Like there's days at 1 PM, if I'm able to, I might turn on my PlayStation you know, like, um, for that's just the way I operate, man. I I've realized having time freedom after I started my own business, I realized that for me, it really came down to day by day, as I mentioned earlier, you know, taking things day by day. Um, is it, yeah. Like, do I have a to-do list right next to me? Absolutely. And I'm still a pen and pad type of guy, you know, don't get me wrong. I use Asana too. Uh, like I know I have shit to get done, but at the end of the day, man, I'm very free flowy. And I think as a creative, you're a podcaster, you're a creative, so you could resonate with this as well. Just in general, man, like it really comes down to what I'm feeling. If I'm not feeling like work, I'm not going to produce that best work. Um, you know, like it, it really comes. And even when it comes down to reading, I haven't read and I can't tell you how many weeks, you know, like it really, it just, I guess the best answer in short, Nick is really understanding where I am, how I'm feeling and what I'm able to do in that moment without forcing myself. I don't think it's a discipline conversation. I think it's a reality conversation more than anything. Oh man, I 100% agree. There are different times where I argue in a nice way with people when it talks about uh, everybody's like, well, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? What do you do throughout the day? And certain people just be kind of crazy with it where I, I've gotten into doing some time blocking in a sense of like, these are the things that I want to do throughout the day. But then I also allow myself to flow around it and go, I don't really want to fucking do that right now because I feel this thing is more important. I'm going to go do that. And sometimes, like you said, turn it on the PlayStation. I've put my nerd cap back on. Um, I've gotten back into sports cards. So there are times where I'll get a new delivery. <laughs> You about to pull out some cards? Nice. Dude. I'm, Good I'm shit, man. It. I'm big on it, bro. I'm big on it, man. So I'll, I'll get some, you know, new blaster or mega box delivered. And as soon as Amazon rings that bell and I'm like, I got to do this thing. I'll sometimes look at it as like, I'll play a game with myself. And I was talking to a buddy about this yesterday where he's like, I'm having a hard time. I need to get through and do this thing, but it's just a big, hairy, scary monster. What the fuck? You know? And I'm like, well, if you have a thing that you want to get to, like with him, it was playing drums. And he's like, I haven't played drums in a couple of weeks. I'm like, man, you got to set that up as a reward. How do you get yourself to the point where you go, I'm going to do this thing to go make that reward and sort of play a game with it, but allow yourself some grace where if you're like, look, I'm just not feeling it right now. Ask yourself why, and at least understand what it is. If you're like, you know, well, realistically, I need to just step away for a couple of minutes, then go fucking step away for a couple of minutes. I think some people just get into this habit where they're like, I have to do this thing at nine o'clock. And then at 915, I have to do this and 923, I got to do this. And if it doesn't happen, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Like there are times where I, I've got my list. I got the shit that needs to get done for the day. Those are the big chunks of things where I'm like, yeah, this needs to get done. But you know, at the end of the day, we're not fucking saving lives or delivering babies. It's all going to be okay. Like you step away for a minute if you need to. So man, I appreciate you saying that you're not some productivity guru and feed me some bullshit. Uh, because I really don't think that people are like that unless that is exactly how they are. And how I believe that how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you're flowy with things, you should use that. And you brought it up like being creative, man, 
it's hard to really get a creative to lock into a time schedule of something because they're like, but I can think of all these different things and go through all of that. So how do you kind of play that game with yourself to be able to knock the shit out and then allow yourself those rewards? Or do you not do that? Yeah, I think, you know, especially when it comes down to being creative, I'll give you an example. You know, when I have to record an intro or an outro for my podcast, dude, there have been times it's taken me an hour to do that for one episode shouldn't be taking an hour. You know, the intro's three minutes, the outro's two minutes, should not take an hour. And I realize, I say to myself, you know what, it's because you're just not in that zone. You know, and that's when I really started to, to become aware of it. And I would get frustrated if I didn't nail it, man, I would get frustrated. So I said to myself, all right, well, what can you do? You can't force yourself to get into your creative genius. I don't think that's possible. I think it happens when it happens. Um, you know, there are some things that you might be able to do. For instance, I just bought a standing desk. So like where I'm sitting now, like I could raise it up or, or I think those things can help potentially. There you go. Um, I think those things can help potentially without a doubt. I don't know if there's any research or science behind that whatsoever, but for me personally, I definitely see my productivity spike with that. Um, but what I do to ensure that I'm able to have enough time is plan ahead. You know, not live in the future, but, you know, especially when it comes down to the creative stuff, like if I know I need to record an intro or an outro for an episode, I'm not putting my back up against the wall to become creative and like shoot out some fire ass intro, you know, like because what happens if that doesn't happen? You know, so I'm just ahead of the game with that type of stuff. Uh, so maybe I am a bit of a planner to an extent, but that's really, you know, no science behind it. Just being on top of it. Bottom line, being on top of it. That's kind of being smart about it. Somebody said a while ago, and I don't know who to attribute this to, so I'll just take it and use it, but being proactively lazy. Once I heard that, I was like, holy shit, I am totally proactively lazy. Because I think a future Nick, my future Nick is going to be real fucking pissed at me about this. So how do I be proactively lazy, do some of the little work now and get myself set up where later on you can just pick up the ball and maybe it's at 70% finished instead of starting from zero and just being able to kind of move along from that. But even within that, I still think that you can have that flexibility throughout your day. And I, I truly believe that's freedom. That's where success comes into play. My days look the way that I want them to look. And there are certain times where shit pops up, just like your days. You know, you get pulled into a meeting. One of your team members needs something. Somebody pulls you in this way and that way. But you can work through that stuff and still understand, you know, straight up, we're not delivering babies. We're not saving lives here. And allowing yourself that grace. So uh, you seem like the type that you also, uh, you're probably your own biggest critic. And you probably over the course of time have kicked your own ass so many times. So how do you find and give yourself grace? Because there are people listening to the show that are similar where they're like, fuck, man, I told myself I was going to do this and I didn't. So how do you calm that little kid down and go, shut the fuck up. It'll be all right. I don't. I can't lie to you, Nick. I don't. Uh, I'm still my biggest critic, man. I'm still my biggest critic. Sometimes what it really takes for me to realize that is when I'm consulting with a mentor or when I'm consulting with a friend and I'm elaborating on a story and they're like, dude, like things sounded like they went great. Why are you being so hard on yourself? Sometimes it takes that for me to even recognize that I'm doing that. Um, ultimately, I can tell you from a psychological perspective, what that really stems from is me feeling like I needed to perform, but not only perform, but achieve to receive attention from my mother. Um, so if I'm not achieving per se, then I'm kind of not feeling like I'm, you know, getting that attention and same thing like that just stuck with me. And I think that, I think it's a good thing to an extent, like it's healthy to an extent. It could become very unhealthy if you let it. Yeah, it could be healthy. I actually saw a video the other day. It was like a research back the top three things that the wealthiest people in the world um, have from a psychological perspective. Number one was exactly what we're talking about, like a crazy inner critic, like a inner critic that just won't shut up. Not perfectionism, but just like, you know, an inner critic that's hounding you. The second thing was having the um, having the belief that you'll be able to achieve what you need to achieve regardless of that inner critic and regardless of whatever. I forget what the third thing is, but when I said to, I actually didn't, I don't think I have the third thing, um, which is probably why I forgot what it is, but uh, that's it. I, we only need those two, but um, 
Yeah, man. I, I really, you know, for me personally, dude, it really comes down to really talking with people about it to, to kind of make myself aware because I'm still working on that, man. It's, it's still a work in progress without a doubt. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing that, I mean, again, it goes back to talking about it and to the listeners, just talk about it. Talk to somebody that you're close to talk to somebody you're not close to just start talking about it. It can also be super helpful. And I'm sure you experience this talking with yourself about certain things out loud because as you say things out loud you hear them and interpret them different it's just like when you talk to somebody and you start to explain something then you go what the fuck am i talking about it doesn't really make any sense or you go oh my god yeah that makes even more sense now because it came out and went back into your ears so talking to somebody or talking to yourself but getting it out and being able to talk through that i think of uh there was a book that i read years and years ago i don't know if you probably can't see it. It's behind the mindset book that's back here. Um, it's called the QBQ, the question behind the question. So if you think of asking questions behind the question that you had, why do I feel this way right now? Well, because of this. Well, why? Because of that. Almost like a little kid, you know, like one of those annoying little kids that are like, but why? But why? But why? But why? But why? And you're like, because if you don't stop fucking asking me, I'm going to kill you. Um, but do that to yourself. Like, why am I doing this right now? Like, even you think you and I, as we go through and kind of flow through the day, why am I not feeling this right now? Because you're probably feeling something else a little bit more. And is it a part of that thing or is it something completely different? And asking those questions and going through it. You and I really love the idea of therapy, coaching, and just talking through this. But it, if you really think about it at the core of it, it's just somebody that's asking solid fucking questions. Like I've literally told my therapist, I'm here because your job is ask me questions and I'm stuck in these four walls so I can't just run fucking past you. So we can talk about this and actually go through all of these things because sometimes you really need to unpack the stuff that is super difficult for you to be able to get through. So Matt, man, I appreciate you being on. I appreciate you being fucking honest and vulnerable right from the start. Um, so, Hey man, can you give us some sort of advice to the people that are on their path towards self mastery? What sort of advice would you give them? Something that I'm still trying to apply every day. Um, something that I learned from an individual named John Gordon. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, Nick, really, really great guy, author many, many times over, um, podcast host, speaker all around the world. Great, great guy. John Gordon. He changed my life with three letters. Those three letters are E, P, and O. In fact, it's an equation. E plus P equals O. And what that stands for are, is the events plus the perspective equals the outcome. So we're all going to have our turbulence. We're all going to go through our storms. Um, the thing is about that equation, the only thing that we can actually control is how we perceive things. We can't control every event that takes place in our life. This is something I'm still trying to, you know, really work on to this day. I'm getting the chills saying that the hair on my arm is standing up. It's not easy. We can't control every event. I, I can't put a number or a statistic to how many events we can control. It's such a crazy variable to say the least. And it's not easy to control our perception when shit's hitting the fan. It's not. It's a lot easier three months, one year, five years, 10 years down the road. And you could look back and you could be like, you know what? That needed to happen. That was working for me. The universe was on my side there. I want to leave people with that because that's what I'm actually in the thick of right now. I'm in the thick of that. Uh, understanding that I can't control every event that takes place. The only thing I can control is the perspective I bring to the table. And that perspective, at times, Nick, I'll tell you, this year in particular, it's been a clusterfuck of a year, man. Um, there have been, you know, really... That's why I'm taking it day by day, too. Um the events weren't always controllable. How I'll perceive it will definitely change in the future. But I'll tell you this. I had days this year where I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Uh, but bottom line, E plus P equals O. Events plus perspective equals the outcome. Man. Again, thank you for being vulnerable and honest about that. I know it's some tough shit to go through. And to be able to... Be in the moment in those times uh, stacks up from the, all the other moments that happened before that. So you can only be as good as you are in that moment based on the shit that you've done. And if you perpetually looked at that shit as terrible, then you're probably going to be terrible in that spot. So it sounds like you're in that spot when you get into those tough spots. 
it's better than it would have been six months ago or a year ago, even that things are really difficult. But hey, Matt, future Matt's going to really appreciate that, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely, brother. And Nick, I just want to share this with you. You're absolutely fantastic at what you do. Uh, I've been on many, many podcasts before. This was absolutely incredible. I genuinely just want to share gratitude for the way that you are able to help your audience by asking the questions that you ask. So I wanted to make sure that I was sharing that with you before we stop this recording. I, I think that's really important to say. And I appreciate that. Look, I, I really think that the major crux of this uh, this whole show is not about any one specific, but that one specific person that's listening at that time that needs this stuff. Uh, and it's about talking about this shit. So, Matt, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate the kind words. And, hey, where can people find you and where can they connect with you? Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm across the board on social. I probably hang out most on Instagram. My Instagram handle is just my first name, M-A-T-T underscore L-E-B-R-I-S. Uh, that's where I'm hanging out the most. I host a podcast just like Nick does, um, a podcast that I've ran for about four years now, which is crazy to even think. Uh, top 1% ranked globally. We've hosted some incredible people like Grant Cardone, Patrick Bet-David, Mel Robbins, Gabby Bernstein, Jenna Kutcher. Uh, the list goes on. Really, really fun. Have a great time doing it. But th those are really the places I'm hanging out the most, to be honest. Awesome. And all that stuff's going to be in the show notes. Again, Matt, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity, brother. I appreciate it, Nick. Thank you for the questions as well. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self-Mastery Show. So what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. And check out the show notes for more info from today's episode, and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com, as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. And I'd like to thank our sponsors. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters. And so do you. <laughs>